is 6 p.m. and so we're going to call tonight's special meeting to order. Um, the first thing on our agenda is to adopt the agenda on 1.02. Motion so to move. adopt. Um, was that Ms. Goodburn who oh, made the motion Goodburn. to adopt? Yes, Ms. Goodburn. Okay, do I have a second? Sinclair, second. Thank you. Um, all those in favor say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Okay, adopted 7-0. Um, we've got a short agenda this evening. Item 2.1 is the approval of the resolution for suspending board policies IHF regarding graduation requirements. I'm gonna seek the motion in the second and then Dr. Fulton is gonna to speak to it. Do I have a motion for item 2.01? I'll move that. I'll second Sinclair. So that was Stratton moving and Dr. Sinclair seconding. Um, all those, oh wait, nope. And we're turning it over to Dr. Fulton to give us a discussion. Right, and um, <clears throat> tonight Dr. Halbers is gonna give a very brief overview of why this resolution is important to adopt tonight. Dr. Hubbard? We, um, as part of the KSDE Continuing Learning Task Force, one of the recommendations were, was for boards to consider um, reverting to the state's 21 credit requirement. So Dr. Gilhouse and I both consulted with our high school principals um, and all the high school principals really felt like that in this time that providing this flexibility and adjustment to our current graduation requirements was necessary to support our seniors during this unique set of circumstances. This resolution would take our graduation requirements from currently 23.5 to the state's required 21. Um, in addition to the numbers, it could, for some kids, reduce a 0.5 PE or reduce a 0.5 financial literacy if that's not something that they've already earned credit-wise. So it is our recommendation, um, and I'm not on behalf of all the high school principals, I know they're strongly supporting uh, the approval of this resolution to suspend board policy IHF. I'd be glad to answer any questions if you have them. And Dr. Gilhouse is also on if you have any questions specifically for him. I would like to add this quickly. Uh, this is not something that every district will be adopting as a resolution because some districts have policy that give the superintendent the authority to make adjustments to graduation requirements. Our policy structure does not give me that authority. Therefore, it's important that we pass this resolution so we can use it in cases where it's necessary to do so under these extraordinarily uh, unusual circumstances. Okay, so I'm just gonna run through the, our list of names. So if anybody has any questions, they can have an opportunity to ask them. Um, I'll start with Ms. Goodberg. Do you have any questions? <laughs> Okay, I'm not hearing any questions from Ms. Goodberg. Her sound is off. Ah. Sorry, sorry, okay. sorry. Okay, my question was, I, I, my, I was cutting out a little bit. The graduation requirements, hours from uh, what to what? They are currently 23.5, and this would reduce to 21. Okay, thanks, that's all I needed. Only for this class. Okay. Um, next, uh, Reverend Guy, do you have any questions on this item? I don't have any questions, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Hembry, do you have any questions? No questions. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Borkman, do you have any questions? No questions, thanks. Okay, um, Dr. Sinclair, do you have any questions? No questions, thank you. Thank you. And Mr. Stratton, do you have any questions? No questions. Okay, great. Um, so I also do not have questions at this time, and. We can, all those in favor say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, the item passes 7-0. Moving on to 2.2, the approval of the waiver, we'll do the same thing, get the motion in the second, and then Dr. Bolton will speak to this. So do I have a motion? So moved. Oh, all, all second or? Okay. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn, uh, for seconding, and Dr. Sinclair for making the motion and turning it over to you, Dr. Fulton. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, we have three presenters tonight and others who stand ready to respond to board questions. Uh, when we get to the point where you wanna ask questions, if you can state your question and I'll direct traffic 
in the background for who might answer it. Um, we're going to start off with Dr. Hubbard, followed by Dr. Uh, Dr. Hubbard, of course, is Assistant Superintendent for Leadership and Learning, followed by Dr. Atha, Deputy Superintendent, and then uh, Mr. Smith, uh, who's works Chief Executive uh, for Communications, will also be presenting. So let's start with Dr. Hubbard. So I think Randy Watson's statement at the beginning of the um, state's online communication says, school buildings may be closed, but learning can happen anytime and anywhere. And I think this waiver is a great example of that. So I just wanted to bring that to the forefront as we start to talk about this waiver. Um, so uh, Drew, can you forward for me please next? The district waiver really has uh, these five components hourly attendance requirements, assurances, continuous learning plans, staff pay, and senior graduation requirements. So we're gonna talk through each one of these. Next. So next for me, Drew. Thank you. So statute 72-3115 requires that all kids K-11 attend 1116 hours in a school year and seniors 1086. Um, we currently have attended 870 hours prior to our closure. This does include the PD and conference days for the remainder of the school calendar. So we're requesting in our waiver that 246 hours be waived. Next, Drew. So the district had to um, sign assurance statements and these are abbreviated, but we had to say that we will meet the hours with the waiver that we're requesting we will currently pay our employees, that we'll have a continuous learning plan, we will enroll new students, which, which we're working on a plan to begin on Monday, I'm sorry, begin on Wednesday, um, and then apply a health and safety policy for our students, which meant the closure of schools for us. So those assurances are things that we have signed off on. Next, Drew. Um, the first thing that I wanna talk about here in regards to the academic support is I'd like to take this opportunity to publicly recognize the curriculum and instruction team. They spent countless hours um, developing this plan and it is a 30 page comprehensive plan um, that is attached in board docs for anyone that would like to review it. And also is aligned to our district strategic plan as well as grade level and content priority standards being the focus. Um, every building is also um, submitting a plan and that will be available online sometime later this week. So in addition to the bullets that you see there, um, the, the plan is very comprehensive and it also addresses grading, attendance, resources for staff, special education, sample school days, and um, tonight also with the adopted resolution of graduation requirements. So with that, um, Drew, if you'll take it to the next one. I'm gonna let Rick take over. Good evening. Um... At the end of the presentation, I have with me uh, Shelby Rebeck, uh, our Director of Health Services, as well as um, uh, Dr. John McKinney, uh, who will answer questions regarding uh, student services, more importantly, social-emotional supports. Uh, school counselors and social workers will continue to provide resources and services to students and families and address academic and social emotional needs and concerns. This will include communication through email, phone, and virtual online sessions. Once specific needs are identified, appropriate resources can be provided and an ongoing schedule of support developed. Counselors and social workers will also continue to work with building and district leadership to provide academic and social emotional guidance and resources. School social workers and counselors have been working tirelessly to compile and provide social emotional resources to buildings, families, and students. This information is being distributed via Google sites and classrooms, school newsletters, district websites, and social media accounts. Programs and interventions that support our most vulnerable students, including our at risk, homeless and migrant students will continue by way of email, phone, and virtual sessions. But it's important to remember that these options are also available to all students. 
And finally, just like in a traditional setting, if a teacher or family member believes a student needs counseling or mental health services, the school's counselor or social worker should be contacted so they can reach out to the student and his or her family as quickly as possible. We need to also make sure social emotional resources are readily available to engage all Shawnee Mission School District families. We plan to do this by traditional means, emails, school newsletters and websites and social media, but we can also engage students and families by embedding social emotional skills across the curriculum. By embedding social emotional learning into home-based assignments and lesson plans, we're not only supporting students academically, but concurrently developing the 21st century skills essential to college and career readiness. Through trust and empathy, our counselors and social workers are committed to engaging families and providing them with the resources and support they need to continue the development of these important skills. The need to develop the social and emotional needs of our students has never been more important than it is during this time of uncertainty. Mr. Smith. Slide please, Drew. So we've got a number of different ways that we're working to communicate with our families in terms of keeping them informed. Uh, we've got communication at the superintendent level and Dr. Fulton is regularly sharing information with the community and with our families. We have communication that comes from our principals, uh, school-wide emails, newsletters, uh, specific information, because each of our schools is implementing this work a little bit differently based on their community population. We have communication from teachers, uh, emails, phone calls, digital platforms, um, weekly newsletters. We reinforce the messages through social media, through our district website and our district television channel. We have on our website built a page that takes the parent continuous learning document and turns it into an interactive web page so that parents can access that information very easily. Uh, we, we obviously work with our media, our local media connections, including the Shawnee Mission Post, as well as the television and broadcast stations in terms of sharing messages. And we do that in collaboration both with the county and with our sister districts throughout the county. Uh, we'll provide updates at the board meeting. We were able to include some information about the changes in our uh, print magazine inside Shawnee Mission, which is sent to 100,000 households in the community. And we push out information via email, text, phone, and other ways uh, when we need to do it immediately. We're gonna get feedback through surveys of staff, students, and parents through use of the Thought Exchange online, online di dialogue platform. Uh, we'll be taking formal and informal observations throughout the spring to see how things are going. And we review the feedback that we get through the Ask the District account, that uh, the emails that we receive, as well as through monitoring of our distant, different social media platforms. When we look at feedback, we try to triangulate it. So look at data coming from a variety of different sources so that we can ensure that it's valid. Um, I should also say we are working to make sure that every, the things that we do are translated into Spanish for Spanish-speaking families. We're not able to do it simultaneously, but we get things translated and posted as soon as we can. Um, we'll also get feedback from teachers and, and administrators in school buildings um, who are also addition, you know, additionally working to uh, put this all into place. So that's the, uh, that's the work we're doing to communicate and work with our families. I think it goes back to you, Rick. Next slide, Drew. The district uh, will monitor and evaluate the, the effectiveness of the continuous learning plan by collecting data from staff, students, and parents through surveys, exchange, and informal conversations. A program evaluation will be designed and conducted and an executive summary will be presented to the Board of Education during the 2020-21 school year. Dr. Fulton 
and the Johnson County superintendents have collaborated with Johnson County leadership and Johnson County Department of Health and Environment in developing a cohesive partnership to protect the safety of our students, our families, and our staff. As a result of this partnership, our food service department will be able to distribute safe meals to our students five days a week for the remainder of the school year where social distancing is practiced. Our health services department has partnered with JCDHE to provide a COVID-19 hotline to respond to health-related questions of high volume. Also through the guidance of Johnson County Department of Health and Environment, our health services department was able to collect and distribute school district personal protective equipment to local community partners in need. A final example of this collaborative effort is that maintenance, construction, <coughs> work, and our Shawnee Mission schools and all Johnson County schools will be carried out as scheduled as long as construction workers follow the guidelines set forth by the Centers for Disease Control and the Johnson County Department of Health and Environment. Other examples of this collaborative effort are listed in the waiver. The last comment that I would like to make is that it is the intent of the district to continue to pay our hourly employees, to include our custodians, maintenance workers, paraprofessionals, food service workers, aides, clerical, and secretaries. And I might add these folks are, many of these folks right now are working very hard to, to implement the standards brought forth by the, the Department of Health. We also are going to pay our certified staff for the remainder of the 2019-20 school year. As you know, they are contracted employees. The others are hourly employees. And we want to make keep these employees whole during this difficult time that's facing us. With this said, we are happy to Michelle, David, and I, and the team that we have with us are prepared to answer the questions that you may have. Okay, I'll go through a list of names so that we can ask our questions. Um, Mr. Stratton, do you have any questions of the team this evening? No questions, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Sinclair, do you have any questions for the team this evening? Um, it would be helpful just to hear what some of the, if uh, the frequently asked questions from seniors might be, if you have a sense of that, or is that, uh, if that's something you have connected with uh, our principals with? Oh, yeah. was the Smith responded to that, but uh, I, I have not received any uh, communication from seniors. But Mr. Smith, have you heard anything? We haven't gotten a lot of direct questions from seniors. Okay. I would suspect that that would go through the schools and that okay. Dr. Hubbard might be the one who would best know what kinds of questions they're getting. I would just add, I think it might be a little bit early to know that since today was our first contact between okay. um, teachers and students. But up to this point, probably the two number one questions are prom and graduation, if mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest. Okay. Um, and could I ask another question? Of course. Okay. Um, um, for the um, feedback components of, of looking to collect feedback from families and staff and whatnot, um, I'm trying to think about kind of expectations. I would imagine some of those surveys might just be building level or it might be a sampling of some, or is there an expectation that everyone would receive a survey request? Is that um, anything? I honestly don't think we've thought us? through, I don't think we've thought through all of that, Dr. Sinclair. Um, okay. So if I could answer that, please, David. Uh, Sure. We are going to work on getting surveys out to everyone. Okay. Uh, we have to develop the survey questions. We're going to seek some 
assistance with that, I think, because these ought to be questions that are relevant, not just today's context, but questions worth asking down the road as well. And the thought exchange will be something that we'll also do in a more comprehensive way. Now, that one might be a little bit more targeted toward certain audiences, but anybody in that audience, say elementary parents, would be able to participate. So we're putting that plan together now, and I suspect that the surveys will roll out sometime in April, beginning of May. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Ms. Goodburn, do you have any questions? No questions. Thank you. Ms. Hembree, do you have any questions? I have just one, which is I made note, um, I think the document really discouraged sort of one-on-one -on -one online interaction between teachers and students. I wondered if that still applied on the social emotional learning piece and with social workers or how sort of student confidentiality and online communication was gonna work together in those scenarios. I'll have uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Atha and Dr. McKinney handle that one. Thank you. Dr. McKinney, would you like to address that? Yep. Yes, sir. I will tell you that is an ongoing discussion. Um, we have uh, prepared uh, some consent documentation that Dr. McKinney, you're cutting you're cutting out on us. Oh, I'm sorry. That's better. Sorry, can you hear me? Is that okay? Yep, that's better. Okay, sorry about that. Um, if it happens again, I'll I'll switch off from these AirPods I'm trying to use. Um, I will tell you that there there is a consent form that has been developed that speaks directly to uh, privacy issues, to um, confidentiality, to making sure that we're meeting all the criteria that are outlined in. Um, the American School Counseling Association and with the National Association of Social Worker Guidelines. Um, there's a lot to that. And we've created um, a consent form for parents, information around virtual telecounseling, um, and uh, some ethical sort of guidelines that are anyone who has a one-on-one -on -one interaction virtually with a student would need to agree to. Um, all of those documents are currently in the hands of uh, Dr. Ziegler and, and Dr. Strike, who have forwarded that on to the cabinet and in-house counsel. So we're hopeful that we're gonna have some things in place over the next day or two um, that will clearly lay out exactly what the expectations are um, for our staff and um, what that allows us to do and, and frankly, what it, what it prohibits us from doing as well. So all of that has been created. We're very much in keeping with um, what Olathe is currently doing and what Blue Valley are currently doing in that same vein um, around ensuring that we're able to communicate with students uh, virtually and conduct that one-on-one -on -one, um, uh, counseling session that's so important to maintaining that social-emotional health, um, but also that we're doing it in such a way that's in keeping with the privacy and confidentiality and guidelines as established by um, the American School Counseling Association and the National Association of Social Workers. So there's a lot to it, but it has it's pretty far down the road, and we're hopeful that we'll have we'll have something definitive um, in place in the next few days. Thank you. And can I ask one other question while I have the opportunity? Which is, um, I think somebody asked what what questions they were hearing most often. I will tell you, as a parent, the question I got most from other parents was about tech issues. I'm sure you all know there were sort of VPN and help desk and more just logistics of getting all of our technology to work at the same time. It seemed like it was better by the um, afternoon, but I just wondered um, kind of if we would anticipate what our, what our sort of tech plans are around having 27,000 devices in use at the same time. Not yes. small. <laughs> sure, we did have some VPN issues this morning and some email issues this afternoon. And uh, Mr. Lane and his, uh, Hardworking technology crew are working to get those addressed. We have they're going to watch the VPN especially uh, closely. Um, that could be a, a hot spot for us, but they have some plans in place to address that. And I don't know, Doc, uh, Mr. Lane, if you'd like to 
uh, add anything to that. Take that as no. I can tell you that um, because we got some some questions that we we answered. So I've talked with uh, Drew Lane and. The, we became aware of the issue about 10:15 and had a fix in place by about 1:20 p.m. Um, we're going to be looking to monitor the devices that through which the student VPNs connect to try to intercept the problems more quickly in the future. And having some conversation with our hardware vendor to see if we can figure out what any root causes other problems might be. We got things fixed by about 1:30 this afternoon and. Didn't see any any significant problems after that, and we'll also be communicating out about how best to let us know when there are problems so that we can address them quickly. All right, that was one of the learnings from today is we'll try to communicate those sorts of things out quickly when we're having broad issues so that people aren't uh, so that they realize there's an issue out there and we're working on. It's kind of like when your power goes off, right? You're wondering when you know your power's off. How how widespread it is? Is it, and when is it going to come back on? We will get out and start communicating those issues, Thank so you. people have some knowledge. Doctor Fold, my apologies. I had disconnected my microphone so I wouldn't feed back into the meeting because I'm watching it here and on two other computers, and I was afraid it would feed back. So my apologies, but Mr. Smith did a fantastic job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Ms. Boardman, do you have any questions for this evening? Uh, yeah, just a question and a comment. Um, I, I Regarding the safe meal distribution, um, I just was kind of trying to unpack that a little bit. What is safe meal distribution for families, workers? Um, can someone help me understand that a little bit more? Uh, Dr. Atha and uh, uh, handle that one. Yeah, I, I think uh, what we're referring to there, we are following uh, the uh, Johnson County uh, Health Department's guidelines in our food distribution. We're also following our uh, regular guidelines that we follow and practices that we follow every day at, at lunch. Um, um, we're, we're getting good participation. As a matter of fact, the participation is increasing each and every day. I think they served over 9,000 meals for a four-day period. Um, but I, I think we're mindful of, of, of the crisis that is facing us, and the cafeteria workers are uh, exhibiting best practices for, for not only the safety of our kids and their families, but the safety of our, of our uh, food service employees as well. I might add too that Shelby Rebeck, our district nurse, and I'd welcome uh, her to chime in if she would like, uh, is doing an outstanding job of not just our district, but being a key partner in the county to address health issues. Shelby, is there anything that you'd like to add? Um, just that, you know, the county health department has just been a, a wonderful partner of ours throughout this whole crisis. We take a direction from them um, on really every aspect of student and staff safety. So that's kind of been my role is just to be the liaison between the county health department and the district. And then regarding mobile, um, like a mobile food pantry or mobile food, um, since not all kiddos and their, their parents have access to transportation, how does that look for the district and how is the district sort of addressing that issue right now? Right now, Dr. Ziegler and uh, um, uh, Mrs. Kokenauer, our director of food service, are, are looking into various options out there of looking to see if we can expand somehow, some way beyond, beyond our schools. Uh, but no definitive answer has come to light yet for us to be able to to actually do food deliveries at this point. I'd say worker safety is a real consideration in this and it's it's something that the county's paying attention to as are we and I don't know Shelby would you like to weigh in on that one as well? Well we know the virus is living on surfaces for three days 
And so we're really paying attention to not only the the numbers of people that we have together um, and within six feet. So, you know, you can't even travel in a car together, um, but also just educating our families to wash their hands after they unpack those meals. We just really need to um, mitigate the spread of this virus right now. And we're trying to weigh and balance uh, serving meals and feeding people with their health and safety as well. May I ask, a, I'm gonna ask a clarifying question on that. Um, this is Heather Owsley. Um, so it's my understanding that the Johnson County Department of Health and Environmental Services, um, based off of the con contagious nature of the virus, has advised against home delivery for meals in urban areas, but that if there was a more rural area, that there might potentially be home delivery happening, but for right now where we're at, we're, we're under advisement to not provide home delivery. Is that an accurate understanding? In our, in our early stages uh, of planning, there was concern expressed about uh, moving people and materials uh, from one spot to another. Um, and so that is uh, something I think that we're still paying very close attention to. Shelby, again, I'll have you uh, provide what's the most recent guidance from the health department on these kind of issues? Well, I think Heather's um, got a good question. I don't think we have current guidance. In fact, I just sent an email today to the county health department relating to some of these um, food service issues. But certainly we here in Johnson County have a much higher rate of COVID-19 than some of the rural areas in Kansas. So I do think that the answer here may look different than the answer um, outside of our area. In the meantime, if we know of a family or if, if someone um, in the community knows of a family that may have transportation issues, um, I'm assuming the best way just to make sure that um, these families are getting taken care of is to reach out to the social worker of that child's particular school. Would that be a safe, you know, just to make sure that kids are taken care of and um, that there's eyes on the family? I would say reach out to the principal, principal. and make them aware. And hopefully the families are self-identifying as well. Really, a lot of the solution building has to be done through the building principal and that team. And I know they're they're taking this week to really begin to understand what the scope of the needs are in each of their school communities. And of course, the elementary schools are small enough that they reach uh, a lot of kids, but the secondary schools do a great job on that as well. Well, and then my comment, I just want to applaud all of the work that has gone in and continues to go into this. Um, you know, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes, but we're going to get through it. And it's a great team that is um, doing a great job. So well done, everyone. Um, I know I have one more board member to ask questions of Reverend Guy, but I have a couple questions related to food service. So I might interject here as long as we're on the topic of food service. I have a food service question as well, Mrs. Asley, so I'll see if maybe you ask it. Oh, well, if you're on food service as well, I'll, I'll defer to you. You go ahead, Reverend Guy. Thank you. I, I just had a question if we've looked into the possibility of um, a family picking up a week's worth of food at once rather than having to be available in the middle of the day to come get the food. If, if it's stuff that can be refrigerated for up to a week, is there any possibility that a family could come on Friday afternoon, early evening, and pick up packets of oatmeal or you know whatever whatever might be available for the entire next week, rather than having to come daily. Um, and I don't know if other school districts have looked into this or if that's a possibility going forward. But um, that's my question, Reverend Guy. I know I've talked with Ms. Kokenauer about that, and our challenge is that our locations don't have the refrigeration capacity to be able to store that much material. They can only do about a day in advance, so they don't have the ability to have a whole week's worth of, of material there. 
Okay. But I do think that's something I do think that's something that we can look into. And, you know, I, I think, you know, we want to widen out what we're doing if we can. Um, this program is a federal program and it has uh, probably more rigorous rules than we would like, but we do follow those rules and we're we're hoping for in the future maybe a little more flexibility so that that would open up some more options to to serve our kids and our community. Um, but we're still waiting on that one. And we, we thought something was going to come out uh, at the end of last week, and uh, it was a little disappointing to us. But um, we those guidelines are there for us to follow, and we will follow. So until we can get some flexibility. Thank you. Reverend Guy, was that your last question? Oh, I just had another question, but it's not about food service, so. Okay, well, I'll ask my food service questions and I'll come back to you. Um, so I had a couple of food service questions and I understand if there's no answer for them this evening because they came up kind of late in the day and I did not have an opportunity to provide anybody with a heads up regarding my questions. The first was that um, it's my understanding that the Kansas Department of Education requested waivers to expand access to meals um, for families to pick up the meals without a child in the car. Um, are you aware of that request? Um, and would that alter, do you know if that, like how long that would take to so that people can come and pick up the food without their kiddo? I know I've gotten an inquiry from a mother with a um, immunocompromised child that she does not want to take out to get the food. And she is, I think, working with her principal. But just in general, do we have any additional information on that? Would you like to hear that one? We're, we're curious about that as well. Um, you know, we're looking into that, um, but we have not received final guidance on that, but we would like to have that flexibility. Okay. And that has, that, that is a request that's gone into the U.S. Department of Agriculture and that's impacting schools around the country. So that is, that is something folks would like to see some more flexibility on. Okay, um, and then my second question, um, about a month ago, uh, there I had an inquiry regarding the community eligibility provision that provides for the free and reduced lunch, free meals for everyone in a building. If you have a certain percentage of children in the free and reduced lunch program, it is quite likely that our percentage of participation in free and reduced lunch would go up. Um, I know right now everyone is getting free meals, but are we? How rapidly do we get that turnaround information for families in our community so that we can be aware? Um, just because we might need to have expanded access over the summer and that sort of thing. Do we? How how quickly do we know? Do families have to report that to us, or is there another reporting way that we can get that information? Doctor, that was to respond to that one. Yes, uh, free and reduced lunch locations are processed as soon as they come in. And Nancy and her team um, have, a, have a very quick turnaround on that. Um, and, I, I, and I believe, I'm sure they're still taking those applications as we speak, so. So folks can apply for that, even though they may be getting the school um, breakfast and lunch right now and maybe aren't necessarily thinking about it down the line, but if they are in financial hardship, they could still apply for the free and reduced lunch program currently? I believe so. Don't quote me on that, but I believe so. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Atha. And then just one final thing. There were some inquiries last week regarding produce at pickup sites, um, and I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew that that produce was you know, folks were questioning why there was a tomato or a cucumber ahead of lettuce. Um, those things were in our cafeteria system and rather than have them go to waste, they were placed on a table for people to take home if they wanted to, to help contribute to their own um, meal plans. And I just wanted to have somebody clarify that, yes, that is what was going on with the produce. Um, we weren't just handing out tomatoes to everyone randomly. That was something that they could pick up off the table if they wanted. Yeah, this is Dr. Fulton. That's true. 
Okay, great. Um, great. Uh, Ms. Sousley, could I ask one more question? Sure, of course, Dr. Sinclair. Um, circling back to the um, the learning plans, I did have a question about um, how the hour guidelines were set on um, number of hours per day to be expected for grade levels. Um, did that come from the statewide task force? That came from guidance from uh, KSDE. I have Dr. Atha specifically respond to why those hours. Okay, thank you. Could you give me that question one more time, please? Yes, there are guidelines of how many hours per day a uh, student should be expected to engage in the continuous learning, um, and it tapers um, as you go down the grade levels. And can you explain where that guideline came from? You know, it's a good question, and I don't know that I can address it. Dr. Uh, Dr. Hubbard, can you address that one? I believe it came from KSD's continuous learning plan uh, recommendations, but I'm going to ask Dr. Darren Dennis to chime in. That's correct. It's based on the state's task force uh, okay. work. We vary from it a little bit um, based on uh, our interpretation of what the intent was. Uh, for example, at the high school level, I think we said three and a half hours instead of three, but that had to do with how many class periods we had. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'm going to shoot it back over to Reverend Guy because I know she had one more question. Uh, well, first of all, I just wanted to express my appreciation to everyone who uh, has worked so hard. I think these documents, reading them, it's obvious how much thought went into all of them and trying to conceive of all the possible needs that are out there of all of our students and all of our families. and. We know we didn't get everything covered right off the bat and we're going to have to tweak things and um, I, I appreciate everyone's patience with us and grace as we're, you know, you all have been building an airplane in the middle of the air. And so it's remarkable to me that that we have what we have. And the only thing that I had a question about is um, I know in many of the homes, the parents are stressed to their maximum. Many of them have either lost jobs or they're trying desperately to hold on to their job working from home while they're also trying to oversee their kids' education. And I didn't know if we had provided any resources or links to resources for parents who might be concerned that um, their own mental health is not strong or um, might not, they might not be able to help their children learn from home because they are so overwhelmed themselves. I'll start with Dr. Atha and then we'll direct it to others. Yeah, I'm going to defer that one to Dr. McKinney, but I, before I do, I, I, I think we would be remiss. I mean, first and foremost, uh, um, we, we're, we're deeply concerned about, about our children's mental health and physical well-being. But if their parents are not healthy, probably that's going to even create bigger problems for the kids as well. So I'll let uh, um, Dr. McKitty answer that because I do know we have resources available to, to our family and to, to the adults. Absolutely. Um, our school social workers and counselors have spent a lot of time compiling uh, resources, local, state, and national resources that are um, available have been made available to families to assist with this challenging time and not just in working with their own students um, and helping them um, sort of address the anxiety and the angst and the um, you know the concerns around school and school work and and everything that they're seeing and hearing right now but for the families as well and it is uh, quite a challenge I was reading um, Board member Borgman's Twitter tonight, and she was talking about her own experiences with her own kids and trying to do work and trying to teach. And so there is no um, lack of understanding that that is a very important part of the, the resources that we're trying to make available, um, not just for the students, not just for our staff members and um, for our buildings and administrators and and everybody, everybody in the Shawnee Mission School District, but for the families as well. 
So we want to make sure that we're providing them with not just, you know, resources and tools on how to teach and, and make sure that we're moving forward academically, but also resources and tools on how to exercise self-care and how to take care of, you know, the, the needs of our caregivers as well, parents and our families. So all of that is sort of being compiled and added to on a, on a regular basis. And then the most important piece of this, and Dr. Asa did a nice job of, of emphasizing this, is making that information available. We want to, you know, there's the traditional means, emails and blasts from the district and, and those sort of things, but we also want to try to find new and unique ways to engage our families in this really important area. Uh, so that's something that social workers and counselors and I've spent a lot of time talking about. We're going to continue to try to find unique ways of providing them with information not just about academics and really not just about social emotional well-being but about how to take care of themselves during this stressful time as well so it's it's at the top of our list of things to, to work on and continue to spend a lot of time and discussion around thank you well and i'm sorry does someone else need to speak um i i did just want to add this to dr fulton um as you can see from there's response been a lot of uh, thoughtful uh, teamwork going on by many, many folks in the organization to build the best plan possible, not just for what we're doing today, but what we'll need to do in the days ahead to support parents, students, and staff, because we know social distancing is hard on everybody. And every family is facing its own unique challenges. We want to be responsive to that as best we can. And we've got, we just have wonderful they're in their hand to support our, our families and our students in any way that they can. Well, on that note, I have one final question for this evening. Um, some of the concerns that I've heard from parents is, have been regarding, you know, what exactly the expectations are for how much a student participates. And um, I had noted in the parent handbook on page eight that it actually has uh, laid out that you know, the grades for the semester are set and based off of the third quarter. If students want to continue to work and have continuous learning and interaction with their educators, they can work towards raising that grade, but no one's grade is going to be lowered from the third quarter grade in the fourth quarter. And if someone could just clarify and say that I have that accurately based off of the information on page eight in that parent handbook, that'd be great. And that's a question for Dr. Hubbard and her team. It is accurate that the third quarter grades are standing as is. Those grades can only go up but not go down. However, you can you could increase that grade by working on third quarter priority standards that maybe you haven't met or have an opportunity to remake a test or to turn in a work that you potentially may not have turned in during third quarter. However, participation in fourth quarter is encouraged, but not required. Um, and I know my students are actually very much looking forward to participating in fourth quarter because they need to see people other than their immediate family. So I'm glad that they have the opportunity to interact with their educators and fellow students. Um, so they will definitely be encouraged to participate. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that parents out there who are concerned about their child's grade or participation requirements that they make sure you look at page eight of the handbook that goes over grading and attendance and feedback. Because um, I think that should help as you adjust into this next final quarter. Heather, I would add to that that um, I think it's important, especially at the sixth grade, seventh, well, sixth to twelfth grade level, is the importance of engaging in those classes. Um, that that have continuous learning. So foreign language, for example, if, you, if you're in Spanish one and you need to move to Spanish two, there are things in fourth quarter that you absolutely need to be able to be successful in Spanish two in the fall. Same holds true for math, where some, some courses, they don't necessarily connect to the next course in the series, but many of them do. And so we're really encouraging teachers to engage with kids and parents to talk about the enrollment next year and what that means for fourth quarter for your particular kids. So I'm hopeful there's some self-motivation for kids, um, knowing that what's coming in the fall 
because we definitely want to set kids up to be successful um, for their fall enrollment. And this is Dr. Fultz, I'll add this too. We also recognize that fall will look a little bit different. As we try to address the needs of all learners, we're also faced with uh, equity questions. You know, did all students have access to the learning that they needed? And so I'm sure that come fall, uh, in the, the start of the 2020-21 school year, we'll need to be uh, thoughtful about where we pick kids up in some of those courses and make sure that we don't have kids, uh, students that are uh, harmed in any way from the challenges that this last quarter presented to them. I'm going to um, give folks one last opportunity if there was one more question that might have come up that you wanted to interject with now before we vote. Now is the opportunity to do so. Okay. Hearing none, um, all those in favor say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, the motion passes 7-0. This is a special meeting, so there is not an opportunity for board comment tonight, but uh, we will be moving into executive session, so I'll seek a motion from Dr. Sinclair to move into executive session. There'll be no further business after the executive session, um, and if I can ask that we have a five-minute window from when we, you know, gavel out of this meeting to call into the, the executive session. That'd be great. So, well, let's, we could make President, it. President Owsley, if, if we could, this is Dr. Fulton. Perhaps if we could start executive session at seven, would that be okay? Yeah, that'd be yeah. great. We just start executive session at seven o'clock. And we're, right. I think we're seeking for 30 minutes. Is that correct, Dr. Fulton? Yes. Okay, great. I'll turn it over to you, Dr. Sinclair. Okay, I move we go into executive session to discuss negotiations pursuant to the exception for employee or employee negotiations under coma and the board will reconvene at at 730 p.m. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. All those in favor say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Okay, hearing none, that is 7-0, and I'll see you all at 7 o'clock in executive session. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.